The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co-team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury-related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Uh, ow, that's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. That proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, how do you know how well you're doing with your patients? See, that's a great question. And um, uh, besides anecdotal recall, uh, if you don't spend any more time and energy to investigate that, we really have no way of knowing. And what's fascinating is there's even there are now government mandates uh, that require us to collect some low-level outcomes, maybe patient-reported outcomes or outcomes that we collect through uh, post-operative or perioperative evaluation related to the most severe conditions such as post-operative blood clot and smoking and things of that nature. But in reality, unless we make a concerted, concerted effort to collect outcomes from our patients, we may never know. And this is something that we uh, have a – we are – totally vested at Midwest Orthopedics, and it's a group effort uh, uh, to uh, collect the most critically analyzed, widely accepted patient outcomes in, in a situation where actually it's not even remunerated. We do this because it's so important for us to figure out the best treatment strategies for our patients. Let's bring on Dr. Nick Verma right now. He is, of course, with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. He's also the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, talking about patient outcomes. And uh, Dr. Verma, thanks so much for, for joining us on Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, tell us uh, if you can add to Dr. Cole's uh, statement about uh, the patient reporting outcomes. What are they and how important are they? Well, I think they're very important. I think they're becoming even more important. You know, there, there are two reasons why we like to create, uh, collect outcomes. As Dr. Cole said, number one, it's the one way that we have to judge how we're doing and how the interventions that we're offering patients, whether it's conservative care or surgery, are working. And number two is, you know, we're moving into a new era in healthcare, and, and the buzzword is really value-based care. And value really means quality or outcomes over cost. And so if we're going to start to measure quality and report quality, we need to have a way to, to objectify that. And the way we do that is by asking patients how they feel and how they're doing after a certain medical intervention. Yeah, you, you bring a great point up, which is this issue of value, because, you know, unfortunately, in the eyes of the insurance space, sometimes value is really all about price but when you or cost. And the reality is that if the quality isn't there, the cost inherently goes up exponentially. Revision surgery. You know, it's interesting. In Midwest Orthopedics, I'll tell you that most of us have practices that greater than 20% of our surgical caseload is revising or fixing something that was done previously. So if you think about the enormous cost of a bad outcome, in addition to the fact that it's a lot more, it's not just inconvenient, it's potentially dangerous. So complications, poor outcomes, second or third surgeries, all is a tremendous problem. Yeah, we're visiting with Dr. Nick Verma. He is the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox and also the uh, chief of sports medicine at uh, Rush University Medical Center, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. And um, 
Why, Dr. Verma, are we asking patients to participate? Well, again, I think we, it goes back to two reasons, um, uh, Steve. The first one is, is it's important for us to know how things are working and how interventions are working for our patients. And in orthopedics and in all of healthcare, we're, we're fortunate that we're in a country where we have access to the latest technology. There's a lot of innovation, new techniques, um, biologics, things like stem cells or other um, different products that we use to try to treat conditions earlier and uh, provide better outcomes for our patients. But unless we really know how we're doing and unless we look at this in a scientifically rigorous way, it becomes very hard to justify or, or to determine which techniques work and which techniques don't. So very simply at the beginning, we need to know how patients are doing so we can judge how we're doing and how well the care that we're providing is offering improved quality of life for our patients. Yeah. And then as Brian started to touch on, you know, as we go further in trying to justify the cost of our healthcare system and, and how we generate value or better outcomes for patients at lower cost, we've got to have a way to measure that. And the only way we measure that is by identifying what's important to a patient, what are they looking for in an outcome from their healthcare treatment, and whether we're meeting those needs um, on a go-forward basis. Nick, maybe you could just briefly go through the steps that we do to collect outcomes in our patient population. Yeah, sure. So, so you know, um, outcomes can be quantified in very different ways. And, and frankly, outcomes may be different for every patient. So for our baseball players, for example, their outcome is whether they can get back on the mound and throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, whereas for maybe our patients who have shoulder replacement are just looking for the ability to sleep at night. So I think the first thing that we try to do is define what is outcome for a given patient population and how do we measure that. In our patients, we really try to look at a couple different things. We look at quality of life measures. So overall, has the uh, intervention uh, changed their uh, quality of life for simple things like daily activities? And then we look at uh, what we call disease-specific outcome measures. So these are things that look at, for example, a knee will have a very different set of questions that we ask compared to a patient that has a shoulder condition. And as I said, a younger patient that has a ligament injury that wants to get back to sport will have a very separate uh, set of questions compared to an older patient who's looking to return to just act, uh, activities of daily living or work activities. So we define, um, A, a baseline set of metrics that we use, and then we basically place patients into different order sets based on what type of intervention or procedure they're having, um, and then collect outcomes specific to that uh, disease state at uh, various time intervals. Now, we're very sensitive to the fact that it takes patients time to do this and that um, we try to decrease the burden to them. So we really try to co collect outcomes at, at um, you know, six months, 12 months, and maybe 24 months at the uh, longest, depending on what type of procedure we're looking for. Dr. Nick Verma, our guest. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Do you guys ever think about uh, Dr. Cole and Dr. Verma? Um, is there a limit, I mean, a time that you suggest that this, you know, patient outcome might take? Because I know when I get those via email, I might see it if, you know, you can do this within five minutes. I'm, I'm more, you know, kind of that's, that's appealing yeah, to me rather than something that might take 10 or 15. Yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge is that um, people get fatigue and they just don't answer uh, all the questions or they just delete it all together. So our, our, really that's our biggest challenge. We have a team of probably no less than 10 people that interface to try to get patients to complete these surveys. And we're not doing this because we're trying to uh, improve our, foot, our footprint uh, on, the, on the web or our, improve our, out, our, our, our satisfaction and so forth. We're really doing this for uh, an altruistic purpose to assess how well we're doing so we can improve upon our outcomes. But the challenge is once a patient is initially done with their care and they're doing well, this is, you know, just think about it. When you go, you bring your car in and you get your oil change and, you know, an hour later you get a phone call or you get a survey, what do you normally do? You delete it. You're happy with the service and so forth. But right. so we're trying to figure 
figure out what's the leanest number of questions and the easiest way to make it palatable to a patient because they are literally bombarded by the entire system. So we're struggling, to be honest, but we just are trying to get the message out that if you are a patient, it's incredibly important to spend the time because it, it affects your own care individually. It affects our ability to react to maybe some adverse or suboptimal outcomes, and you're affecting the, the, the benefit of the care that the next patient might receive. Nick, any comments specifically related to that? No, I think you're exactly right, Brian. You know, first of all, we don't get uh, this data without patients being um, active participants. And so we're always looking for ways to try to make it easier on patients and also to uh, solicit their participation. So I think that goes back to minimizing the patient burden, number one. And number two is make sure that patients understand what is the value of doing this and um, and what are they going to get out of it. And what they're going to get out of it is their ability to compare their recovery to other norms so they get to see are they behind, are they ahead, what can they expect at what time frames um, as they go through um, in innervation and recovery or intervention and recovery. And then hopefully, you know, what, what we all will get out of it from society is just, again, learning how we can do better uh, for people with a given disease state, whether that's rotator cuff disease or ACL problems. Um, and I think as healthcare providers, we also have to look at it the way that you talked about, Brian. When you go to a dealer, you know, you get asked questions about how long did you wait? How responsive was the uh, service technician that talked to you? I mean, those are things that consumers look at from healthcare uh, when they when they describe quality. And so I think it, as medical providers, we have to understand that it's a service field and so how long we make our patients wait, how we speak to them, how efficient our staff is at communicating test results, all of those things are, are part of quality metrics as well. And so we need to incorporate those into the outcomes that we use. Dr. Nick Verma, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, talking about patient outcomes. Thanks so much, Dr. Verma. Talk with you soon. Thanks, guys. Back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back here on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly is our program. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Our producer, board operator, Felix Reyes and Eric Ostrowski. Our coordinated producer, Therese Ann Seeger. Dr. Cole, how do you define aging gracefully? That's a great question, and uh, I'd say actually somewhat loaded. I'll, I'll say this. Um, a couple things I've learned as uh, I have aged, and that's 
and also working with patients. And that's your body is capable of way more than you might think at virtually any age. And that's we, inspiring. I like that. It's true. I mean, we all inherently have this ability to either regenerate or maintain sort of our level of fitness, our bone density, our muscle mass. Uh, but it takes a whole lot more effort to achieve the same result when we were much younger. But it still can be done. And I've seen people transform, you know, physically, metabolically in their 50s and 60s. And the, the nature of the individuals who walk in my office who had, you know, a bad go of it for, you know, a decade or more who actually turned it around. Uh, I see that pretty frequently. So, I, and I've done it myself, quite frankly. So, um, you know, all of us believe we could do better, and I know I can do better, but I look back into, you know, t- I can go back 10 years ago, and I remember making some conscientious decisions and uh, finding that if I actively intervened and thought about it and had some, a little bit of constructive advice, it can make a difference. So I think the first thing is you don't fight it and don't deal with it unnaturally uh, and know that, and have the confidence that it, with most individuals with proper intervention, if you will, you can actually make a huge difference at virtually any age. And that, and that can be even at a time when you've lost, already lost bone mass, for example. You can still recreate or accrue bone mass even at an older age um, as long as you resume the, 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 the proper activity profile. So I think you can do it at any age. You've got to believe that and never be afraid to try. Let's bring on uh, Dr. Lathan Williams. He is a facility manager in Lincolnshire for Athletico. Athletico is always a big part of our show. And tips for the aging athletes. So, Lathan, thanks so much for, for joining us. What natural changes that happen to, to your body as you age, in your opinion? So thanks for having me, guys. Um, there's a number of uh, physiologic responses um, that kind of change as we age. Um, at Athletico, uh, we see a number of these. Um, mainly we see, you know, obviously the decreased, uh, decreased bone strength, uh, decreased muscular strength and, and muscle mass. Um, we also see a decrease in sensation and balance um, as our patients get older. And those are some of the, many of the things that we um, look to incorporate in our treatment plans and helping them, um, as you would say, age gracefully and age healthily. One would think that their first uh, access to an individual would not be a physical therapist or someone at Athletico. And I'm always amazed at the programming you guys do. What, you know, how do you make a program like this? And, you know, the typical way, at least many of the patients that I get into physical therapy are when I write prescriptions and they come see you. Uh, how are these patients getting to you? And what are the programs you're putting on? Because I think if you're heading towards injury reduction and balance and bone mass and all those things, that's, that's really innovative and can affect lots and lots of people. How do they get to you, and what are some of the programs that you're offering? Sure. Um, well, main, the, main reason, the main way patients get to us is, is through our relationships with many of the physicians in the area. Um, a lot of our patients um, are seeing either primary care physicians or orthopedic specialists, and um, many of the physicians in the area are aware of athletical and what we provide for our patients and are very helpful um, and supportive of our practice and getting, and getting these patients into us and letting them know what we can offer. Um, in addition to that, we, off, we also offer complimentary injury screens. So we're also seeing a lot of patients um, who may be the weekend warrior or maybe you know, fighting um, what they think might be a, a strain or uh, something that just doesn't fit right in their bodies. Um, and they'll stop in our clinics, uh, complimentary, and we'll do a screen. And then we'll either uh, direct them back to a physician, uh, if it's something that we think is necessary for physical therapy, or... Um, we'll kind of direct them in some exercises that can maybe, you know, add to their current treatment regimen that will help kind of get them back on track. Um, as far as the uh, programs that we're doing, I think it starts, it often starts with education. I like to educate our patients when they come in, um, really to the point that Dr. Cole said, that um, they have a lot of more power than they think even as they age. They don't have to allow aging to happen to them, but that they can uh, really have a lot of say-so and control over their bodies and their body's output. Uh, one thing I like to talk to our patients about is, is in their own fitness regimens as they are discharged from physical therapy or if they don't, aren't necessarily appropriate for physical therapy. I like to recommend them that they would, you know, really engage in strength training. Um, I think it's really good not only to build muscle mass but also to um, 
improve the bone health. Um, I think that's been proven in my research. And then also, um, you know, just to you know, change the intensity. I think as we get older, the, the tendency is to trade in the intensity of our workouts for duration, for a longer duration. And I like to inform and educate our patients that increasing the intensity of our workouts can also be helpful in maintaining um, good, strong muscle mass and it's really good for the body as they age. We're visiting with Lathan Williams, a doctor of physical therapy and facility manager for athletical physical therapy at their Lincolnshire facility. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. And uh, Dr. Lathan Williams, let me ask you, uh, do you agree that there's a benefit to accepting and adjusting to the, uh, to the aging process? Absolutely. Um, when I say accepting it and adjusting, I don't think it's a matter of kind of laying down and quitting, not acceptance in that regard, but I think accepting that you know, our bodies go through changes that are pretty predictable. Um, and as we um, understand the changes that our bodies go through, I think it actually gives us um, the ability to have greater reign and greater control over what happens to our bodies, understanding the changes that are going to happen. So I definitely think that adjusting to those changes really empowers us. Um, it doesn't necessarily, it's not a, an admission of uh, a weakness, but actually it's very empowering. How do you uh, provide transitional uh, uh, care for these patients who come in that start with physical therapy? Because a lot of this is, will, the success hinges on sort of, I think, you know, some programming and periodic, periodic intervention, and you're seeing them in a snapshot in time. What's a, what, what is a good solution to keep them engaged? Do you offer some transitional programming that maybe doesn't necessarily have to go through insurance, but that provides them uh, an avenue to continue on this? Because this is life change. It's not just you're going to see them for four to six weeks, but this really has to be change that, they, that goes well into the future and to, to continue to pay dividends. Absolutely. A great point. Um, I, think, I think really the transitional program really starts at day one of the initial evaluation with our patients. I think um, making sure that they understand that this isn't a sentence into physical therapy and then after physical therapy they'll be great and good to go and they can just go back to um, whatever um, lifestyle or tendency they had before. But really day one saying, hey, you know, these are some impairments that exist. These are areas that you're weak in. These are things that you really need to change from a lifestyle standpoint in order to really decrease your injury risk um, and improve your output um, as far as whatever activities you, you, you want to enjoy. Um, so I think it kind of starts at day one. And then throughout the treatment plan, we're, we're constantly tweaking the home program, tweaking what they're doing in their own fitness regimen. So then at the point of discharge from that uh, program, the patient is already also incorporating things that we've been doing in therapy in their own regimen. And then it's a natural progression um, to doing those, having more independence um, with those exercises and, and, and whatnot. Um, also, I think relationships with uh, many of the local um, fitness centers and gyms are very helpful. Um, there are a number of um, personal trainers and uh, exercise specialists that you know, I have relationships with, and I know many of my counterparts at Athletico, we have many of those relationships in the communities we work in so that we can ensure that um, there's a natural transition into those um, those places, those centers, and, and into those uh, fitness regimens from physical therapy. Great stuff. Dr. Lathan Williams from Athletico. Their website is athletico.com. Tips for the aging athlete. Thanks so much, Dr. Williams, for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. On ESPN Radio. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd 
recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Uh, Ow! That's not good. Or having an accident. At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. We're back on this Saturday morning. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. It's Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. Our producer, board operator, Felix Reyes, Eric Ostrowski, coordinating producer, Patrice Ann Seeger. Dr. Cole, we all have talked about uh, through the uh, through the years of uh, allograft transplants, and we've got a great, uh, interesting man on the phone that's going to tell us his story. But uh, quickly uh, tell us, for those who may be tuning in for the first time, what we're talking about. Stephen, allograft transplant, in other words, in this case, an osteochondral allograft, is where a donor, you know, we have donors that we call living donors that, that will donate their heart, liver, and lungs, but cartilage is another tissue or organ that can actually be transplanted. And um, this is a situation where an, a, a relatively young active individual might have an area of cartilage and bone loss, sort of a pothole at the end of the, the femur, or, but we've done it in the elbow, we've done it in the shoulder, and even in the hip and the ankle. Uh, and so they're missing a structural part of a joint where the rest of the joint is otherwise healthy, and we can transplant another individual who has typically died of a traumatic injury, and they've also will be donating other organs and so forth, but they donate their cartilage, and we use a segment or a piece of that cartilage and bone to almost fit like a mosaic tile into the area where it's missing uh, tissue. And it's generally a very successful operation if we th- stick to the indications, and patients don't have to be on any chemotherapy or drugs to prevent uh, rejection of it, unlike soft tissue, heart, liver, lungs, where they often do have to be on medications. Well, let's bring on Phil Pisano from New Jersey. Uh, had a transplant in New York City, November of 2014. And uh, but take us pack, Phil. As we welcome you to Sports Medicine Weekly. What happened in 2012 when you started noticing that your knee pain was getting worse? Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, actually, that's the crazy thing that happened to me. Nothing really happened. Uh, in 2012, I was married and we bought our first house, and I was just doing things around the house, like pulling weeds and opening up the pool. And I just stood up and I felt off balance. I didn't, I didn't feel right. And I just thought it had something to do with getting a little, a little bit older or being a little bit out of shape. But two or three days after that, I had a serious limp. I could, I could barely get out of my car and I was going to work and I was really struggling. And a week after that, I literally lost my ability to walk and all fears came creeping into my mind and went to go see uh, an orthopedic after that and had something called microfracture surgery two weeks after I was diagnosed with osteochondritis discecans. 
Yeah, so you had that condition, which is a developmental condition, which starts out in adolescence where there's an area, it's really like a, a growth plate that doesn't fully close, remains open, and there's an area of bone and cartilage that doesn't fuse. And the reason you likely became symptomatic is that piece was sort of jostled loose, and all of a sudden you were having symptoms related to that piece. So what your doctor probably did is remove the piece, and then uh, microfracture, which we will not uncommonly do for high-level athletes, was just not enough because it's bone and cartilage loss. So I, my, my guess is eventually you came on to get a transplant because that didn't work. Uh, is that correct? That's correct. That, that's exactly what happened to me. And after about eight months of physical therapy, I felt a little bit better. But every step that I took, I, it felt like my knee was going to give out. And at certain angles, when I put pressure on it, it felt, I felt like a sharp pain, almost like a knife sticking into my knee. It was, it was pretty much unbearable. It affected my daily life, work, my relationship with my wife. I, I could barely move. It was horrible. So what was it like to go through the transplant process? You, you're, you were probably well-educated when you got into it, but you know what a lot of people don't, don't understand is you're on a list, and you're waiting for someone to, of, who's age-appropriate, generally less than the age of 30, to die of a traumatic injury, and for them to donate their cartilage for you to get. And, and that's what you went through. Uh, was that, what was that like emotionally? Correct. It was, uh, it was an unbelievable process. I didn't even know it was something that was possible, because anytime you hear about donation, you think about heart or an organ donation. I didn't know you could donate bone and cartilage. So when I spoke to Dr. Colvin, I really, I thought she had the wrong patient. I was like, this isn't for me. This is for my knee. You know, there's got to <laughs> be something else. But after going through it with her, she told me all the possible outcomes afterward. And, you know, when you think about it, someone has to die in a traumatic injury. It, it takes it takes a lot on your like uh, out on your mental aspect of what's actually happening. Even sure. though I didn't feel good and I was mentally and physically in a bad place, thinking about that for someone to have to pass away to help me, was it was tough. But talking to other patients and talking with my doctor and my wife and family, they were saying what a gift it is, what these people choose to become organ and organ donors. It's it's an unbelievable thing. Like eight 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 lives are saved just by someone donating, and a hundred people are healed and saved just by one donation. It's incredible. It's a beautiful thing. My wife and I actually became organ donors after all the success I've had. It's, it's incredible. Visiting with Phil Pisano. This is Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Colt, Sports Medicine Weekly. Phil is an active father finding healing after a tissue transplant. So tell tell us how you're doing now. I feel great. I I, I think I'm back to about ninety to ninety five percent physical ability and I'm about 90% back mentally. I still I still feel a little hesitant to do certain movements. I got very I used to be a soccer player, but I got very big into CrossFit about uh, a little over a year ago. Well, I, every time I went to I did physical therapy for a year, about 10 minutes from my house and I passed this CrossFit box called Full Dimension literally every other day and I said, "You know, if I ever feel good, I'm going to try this CrossFit thing out. I see it on TV. It looks like unbelievable male and female athletes. I want to check it out and it's it's something I fell in love with. I have such a passion for it. And I literally started off doing CrossFit. I called it CrossFit, but like training wheels, I could barely bend down. I could barely squat down. I barely used any weights. But as time progressed, it just got stronger and stronger. And I think it had a lot to do with helping me heal, to help me become a better husband, better father. I could do whatever I want with my kids, with my wife, long walks now or a piece of cake where I couldn't even walk for 30 seconds a year or two years ago. Yeah, it's a new lease. I'm a new, truly blessed. I'm yeah, so lucky. Yeah, it's a new lease on life. That's, uh, you know, uh, we've had the uh, privilege of treating probably more than 500 patients with your condition with allografts in Chicago here. And um, our success rates, because we're obviously we're very careful in who we select, but our, you know the success sure. rate to the operation in the proper patient exceeds 75 to 85%. And that's defined by sometimes nearly complete pain relief and the ability to return back to high-level sports. So it's one of those procedures, when it, when it goes well, it's, it's an absolute home run. Just it, it, in the last minute, I'm just curious, have you uh, uh, reached out to the, uh, the, the family and uh, worked with Allosaurus to uh, try to make connection with them? I do. As soon as I came home from the operation, about a week later, um, 
my doctor gave us a card with Allosaurus's information on it to write to the donor's family, and that's something I was very passionate about. I wrote about a five-page letter about how blessed I am, how sorry I was, and what an honor it was to receive this beautiful gift. And about every three months, two to three months, I write a long letter to uh, Megan at Allosaurus, someone I never met. She actually reached out to me and was completely compassionate, such a beautiful woman, telling me, I'm so proud of you. Keep going. We love hearing these stories. So every couple of months I write, and I'm hoping one day that the donor's family takes the letter and says, you know what, Let, let's meet this guy. I would love to meet him because I'm really so lucky. I'm so fortunate from where I came from six, six years ago to where I am now. It's, I'm blessed. I get emotional just thinking about it. They saved my life. This donor really it saved my life. And the work that you doctors do and the physicians and physical therapists do, it's, it's life-changing. It saves, it saves lives. It really does. Phil, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience with something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator and producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side at Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.